It's time for Bottom of the Bargain Bin! With Kevin Hart. <laughs> musical theater duo Lerner and Lowe hit a home run in 1956 with their Broadway musical My Fair Lady based on George Bernard Shaw's Pygmalion. The show starred Rex Harrison and a quickly rising star named Julie Andrews. The show was a Tony Award-winning smash that would go on to be adapted into an iconic movie musical. It was more or less a direct adaptation of the stage show, cutting next to nothing and only rearranging two songs. Rex Harrison reprised his role, but Julie Andrews was replaced by Aubrey Hepburn, and Jack Warner didn't think Andrews had name recognition enough to make the movie a hit. She would, of course, go on to star as Mary Poppins the same year, so it just goes to show the studios don't always have the best ideas for foresight. But what prompted Disney to cast this Cockney flower girl as the practically perfect nanny? Well, four years after My Fair Lady opened on Broadway, Lerner and Lowe adapted the King Arthur legend into a musical titled Camelot. Richard Burton was King Arthur and Julie Andrews played Queen Guinevere. While not as popular or successful as My Fair Lady, the show still had its fans, one of whom was President John F. Kennedy, who loved the title song, specifically the finale's version of it. And the show's original cast recording was the number one selling mono record for six weeks in the U.S. You would think Jack Warner would have learned from not casting Julie Andrews in My Fair Lady, but no, he doubled down and did it again, this time replacing both leads. Now, to be fair, Andrews actually did turn the movie down, as did Burton. Richard Harris, who you Harry Potter fans will recognize as the original Dumbledore, played King Arthur, and Vanessa Redgrave was cast as Guinevere. Harris is great, and he would reprise the role in London 15 years later in a 1982 production that was professionally recorded is also very good. Redgrave's acting is wonderful. Her singing is, well, she followed Julie Andrews, so that's not really fair. But the excuse only goes so far. Her ballad, Before I Gazed at You Again, was cut entirely, and she speak-sings many of her songs. Uh, the string section in the orchestra does the heavy lifting in the melodies of her songs, so you still hear the wonderful score. Franco Nero, the original Django from 1966, plays Sir Lancelot. His singing was dubbed, though, so you get good vocal performances on the funny C'est Moi and the flagship ballad, If I Ever Would Leave You, from Jean Merlino, did the dubbing over singing voice. While My Fair Lady was a seamless transition from stage to screen, Camelot was not. Probably because the show's book is also kind of lopsided to begin with. Camelot was being worked on well into the original Broadway run, something that was very uncommon at the time. Two songs, Take Me to the Fair and Fie on Goodness, were axed several months into the run. Because of this, they were still on the cast album. The former Take Me to the Fair, which Guinevere riles up three nights against Lancelot, was put back into the movie and was sometimes restored for subsequent productions. It's a funny song, and Redgrave has fun with it, despite playing fast and loose with the singing, but doesn't add anything to the already three-hour runtime of the movie. There's also a scene with Arthur's illegitimate son Mordred and Morgan Le Fay, the only scene with Le Fay at all, which was deleted entirely to speed up the show and make Act 2 more serious. It's missing here too, but the movie's still pretty long. Arthur's mentor Merlin ages backwards and tells him everything about his life. The movie's somewhat framed as Arthur remembering what happens leading up to the destruction of the round table as Merlin lets Arthur figure out the role on his own. Merlin goes off to live with a water nymph, although this is only implied in the movie as you don't actually see it happen. The song Follow Me, which is sung by her at the beginning, is now near the end of the movie in a forest scene. An interesting dynamic is that both Arthur and Guinevere both came into their lives of power reluctantly, which helps their relationship grow quite naturally and quickly during the title song. Later in the movie, as their relationship is starting to fall apart and Guinevere's love affair with Lancelot is coming to a head, Arthur and Guinevere sing What Do the Simple Folk Do, calling back to some of those moments and just a, a fun little moment together. 
However, something this movie does, which I think works better than what I've seen in the stage show, is as the song is ending, instead of this regular stinger, Guinevere has a breakdown and the music drowns out her dialogue. It's completely silent. And you can tell this relationship is now a lost cause. Of course, it doesn't seem as if she openly admits to King Arthur about her infidelity. However, it sort of implies that, oh, something is very, very wrong. The song directly, directly segues to the downfall and destruction of the round table at the hands of Mordred, who, you know, speaking of infidelity, that is Arthur's illegitimate son. So they both have something going on there that's all in common. It's a jarringly dramatic moment and really caught me off guard. One of the the better things in the movie, I'd say. I've joked about the length, and I know it's kind of a superfluous thing to complain about, but this movie, especially, I imagine for someone who doesn't like musicals, is a slog to get through. Mordred, who normally appears as a foil at the beginning of Act 2 and becomes the main villain, now doesn't show up until two hours into the movie, and the movie could legit end right there or a few minutes after. This is an epic movie, and the well-known story is, especially in this movie, a slow burn. What works well on stage doesn't always work well in the movies, and it's no wonder that they were cutting scenes and songs wherever they could in the original run. Because by the time you get to the very, very end of the movie with Arthur telling a young boy to carry on the ideas of chivalry and the round table, you feel like you're waiting for a bus that's already way too late. Some of the early releases of the movie were 30 minutes shorter, and I bet that would improve this movie quite a bit. But that version has never been released since 1973. Uh, definitely not on home video, so every release is the the original, I guess you would say, three-hour version. So, unless you like musicals, classic musicals especially, you will not enjoy this. I liked it, but there is even a lot that I didn't think needed to be in the movie. I know they tried to make this some sort of epic period piece that stuck to the material, but it tells rather than shows way too much. Something that, again... Works on stage, not so much on film. I can only recommend this if you're a musical theater fan, and even then, you better clear some time on your schedule. Thank you so much for joining me once again for Bottom of the Bargain Bin. I'll see you guys next week.